Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. Back on this holiday edition of College Football Today, brought to you by Beck DSI, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci. We're sporting the tuxedos today. We're about three days away from New Year's Eve. We're not going to be with you, so we decided to get all dressed up for the crew. We're about an hour away. We're in a celebratory mood. Celebratory. It's, it's We're a combination. All day today. It's New Year's. It's the college football playoff. Yep. And I think we're going to win a lot of money today. Too. Not just for us, but for our audience yeah. as well. So it's. Uh, Celebration time. Celebration Why time. Why don't you sing a little cool like in the game? You look like Tommy Lee Jones there from Men in Black, uh, all dressed up there. Uh, like, first, like, yeah. first he says Mark Wahlberg, and then it's Tommy Lee Jones. I feel like I'm aging as oh, the show goes on. You, had, you, you gave me the look. Like I got you're, you. You're locked and loaded. I got you. Locked Mark Wahlberg, Lee Jones. Yes. Is what you're yes. Referring. <laughs> yes. So we're both... We're both against each other on the first two games because no, you took- no, I love Alabama also. Well, no, I don't mean the, the playoff. I'm talking about the first two: Florida, Michigan, and and yes, Tommy yes. Lee Wahlberg. Right, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to cut a song. Our then. producers are yeah. killing us today. And, uh, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina, and, uh, Virginia, and yeah, yeah, I like South Carolina and I and I like Michigan, but again, I I, I don't love the games. Yeah. I mean, I just don't love the games. Yeah, the that, only game know. I like, at a, I mean, I really feel strongly about Virginia. There, plus one seventy on the money line. So I think. You get great value. You have a mobile quarterback. He's done a good job. He's done a really good job with that program. I go back to that Florida game quickly for South Carolina. They struggle with the mobility of Felipe Franks, and they struggle with the rushing attack of P. Ryan and Jordan Scarlett in that matchup, and that's what you're going to get from Bronco Mendenhall and a heavy offensive line and Jordan Ellis as well. So as long as Virginia can run the football and keep Bentley on the sidelines, they have a chance. Now, they struggle to maintain leads. That's the problem that they struggle with with Virginia Tech. So we'll see exactly which which team shows up in that matchup. We're about uh, 57 minutes away from that contest. The last game on the docket today at 5:30 is that Sun Belt game. It's uh, Arkansas State and Nevada with Ty Ganji. I mean, dynamic year this year. This is an offense that's pounding the rock for 187 rushing yards per game, passing for over 200. But I still lean to the physicality of Arkansas State. They're battle-tested. They've been in bowl games before and have stepped up. Lost last year to Middle Tennessee State. But I like Justice Hansen here, and I think they move the football. I think it's high scoring, but Arkansas State does get a 10-point win over the Wolfpack in this ballgame. I was a little surprised. Uh, Jamie's been so hot this year. I've loved having him on the show. Uh, I was a little surprised this is a game he he has a pick that he loves because these teams are eerily similar to one another. They both have veteran quality quarterbacks. You mentioned Justice Hansen for Arkansas State. Uh, Ty Ganji of Nevada. I think both kids will have a chance in NFL camps next year. Not sure where or if they get drafted, but I think they'll have a chance to make NFL rosters. Uh, both defenses uh, are effective at generating pressure. Uh, each have 32 sacks this year. Outstanding edge rushers, Ron Heen Bingham. Watch this kid today. This is why I love the bowl games. Because the Arkansas States, a lot of fans won't watch these games during the season unless it's maybe a Tuesday night or a Thursday night game and they have some money on it. But Ron Heen Bingham might be the I won't say the best. Jalen Ferguson's probably the best of Louisiana Tech. And but he stepped up. You were right did. on with that one. Bingham, Bingham for Arkansas State, one of the better group of five pass rushers in the entire country. I encourage people to watch him. But over on the Nevada side. You got three defensive ends. You got Corey Rush. You got Malik Reed. You got Dom Peterson, all capable of getting the Justice Hansons. I think it's a close competitive, might be among the more entertaining games today that's not a playoff game. I like Nevada only because they're more battle-tested. Arkansas State hasn't beaten anyone of note this year. Nevada at least has some quality wins, including over San Diego State. And over Oregon State, I know it's a low-level Pac-12 team, but Pac-12 nonetheless. I think it's a very entertaining, close game. I had a hard time differentiating differentiating between the two. Uh, Toa Tawa, 
the running back from Nevada. I'm glad you said it. I know. I, that's, uh, Joe, Joe's I looking. He's like, thank God Sermonello <laughs> said it. Uh, Mountain West Freshman of the yes. Year. He uh, came on against Colorado really State. He had a so, big game in that I, I think it's an entertaining, high-scoring game. Give me Nevada. See, I'm one. with you. I think it's high-scoring. And why I like Arkansas State, they're plus five in turnover margin in this in this matchup. As long as you can force turnovers, give your quarterback or your offense opportunities and a short field, I think you'll be in this ballgame and, and score points. So that's why I like the over. It's like 56 and a half when I left the house this morning. Better receivers for the Red Wolves, by the way. Yes. Red, Red Wolves are Arkansas State. Yeah. Wolfpack is Nevada, by the way, for yes, people that don't correct. know. Correct. A better receiver. <laughs> Receivers for for Arkansas State, they've got quality big kids like Justin McInnes. Uh, Nevada's best wide receiver has already left the program. It's, it's McLean Mannix has already transferred and is now going to be on Matt Wells' Texas Tech staff. So uh, they've lost their best receiver, so Ganji's going to have to find some some uh, additional targets. And you brought up Oregon State. I mean, they're a pretty solid offense led by Luton. They moved the football. They put up 30 on Ohio State this year. So yeah. they were in each and every ballgame from an offensive perspective, Arkansas State did get blown out by Tua in Tuscaloosa at the early part of the year. I mean, so they played some of the better teams as well. Didn't win those games, but so it should be intriguing because it is a contrast in styles. More of a blue-collar team in Arkansas State, more of a finesse type of offense with Ganji and, and the Wolfpack. So uh, I don't I'm know curious. if anybody will be watching it because also simultaneously uh, we'll have uh, the uh, Cotton Bowl will yes. be going on. <laughs> Clemson, Notre Dame at 4 o'clock. Let me see. Notre Dame you know, or Notre Arkansas State. State. No, you know who's going to be watching the Arkansas yes. State Nevada game yes. is people who have people cash at, on it. The, the people in the Meadowlands. The Meadowlands yes. watching yeah. and at Mama the FanDuel Sportsbook yes, will be watching yeah, that well, game. But, that's why. But it but gives listen, you an opportunity you make some money. It's a you know a perfect time to watch this Arizona Bowl because I think it'll be close and I think it'll be high scoring. Once the Cotton Bowl comes to an end, before the Orange Bowl starts, check out the end of yeah. the Arizona Bowl. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah, and we'll turn our attention to the other big battle a little bit later in the week. It's Missouri and Drew Locke taking on a Big 12 opponent, Oklahoma State. This is, I mean, high-powered offenses. You have two solid quarterbacks in Drew Locke that has completed 63% of his passes, has stepped up this year, made progressions, and will probably be one of the top quarterbacks taken in this NFL draft. He has thrown 25 touchdown passes, but keep an eye out for Oklahoma State quarterback Taylor Cornelius. This is an offense in Oklahoma State that's rushing close to 200 yards per game. They're averaging around 308 yards through the air. A lot of people like Oklahoma State. I sort of lean that way early on, but I think the physicality of Missouri's defensive front, not only that, but the progression of Drew Locke. I watched that game at the end of the year against Florida, but more importantly against Arkansas. He's focused, and I think Missouri covers this nine-point number against the Cowboys. There are two programs, in my opinion, two uh, non-blue blood programs that are really trending Right now, uh, Oregon is one with Mario uh, Cristobal, what he did recruiting-wise yes. in the first cycle. Uh, and the other for me is Missouri. Uh, they really finished the season strong offensively and defensively. And then they go out, Barry Odom, their head coach, gets for 2019, his quarterback's going to be Kelly Bryant, yep. formerly of Clemson. And then for 2020, his quarterback's going to be Sean Robinson, formerly of TCU. So this program is sort of setting the chess pieces in place for the future. I think they've done a really good job. And while I think they win this game, I think it's a shootout. And in shootout, you mentioned Taylor Cornelius, Tyland Wallace, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Now, Justice Hill, the running back, will not play, but... Chuba Hubbard looked good. The freshman looked very yes. good late in the season. So I think you still have the triplets for Oklahoma State. The defense is awful, and I think they'll <laughs> give up a lot of points. Missouri's defense has been pretty good this year. I think it's a shootout. Oh, Oklahoma State loses, but I think they cover the eight points. I give the coaching edge too. I like Mike Gundy against Barry Odom in this coaching match. Yes, I, I mean, I, and I understand why people like Oklahoma State. And, and that kid Hubbard stepped up in, in the win against West, West Virginia when Hill was out. He caught the football, made some hard runs between the tackles. So I agree with you. Dylan Stoner too. He's more of a Hunter Renfro type of wide receiver. They lost Jalen McCleskey. Here's the one thing I look at when I look at the physicality perspective of Missouri. They only allowed 122 rushing yards per game, and they shut down some of the better, I want to say, physical offensive lines within the SEC. We see, we saw them make Florida one-dimensional in the swamp. If they bring that type of effort against, I want to say, a suspect offensive line in Oklahoma State, that's the matchup that you want to see play out. That's why I like Drew Locke. Again, I don't love this pick, but I would still lean with the favorite in this ballgame. I would give Joe Lisi right now 50 bucks. If he can, if he could properly pronounce the Missouri tight end, no, 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 not happening. Not happening. Hundred bucks. Nah, 
He's number 85. He's very good. Yeah. <laughs> and no, Drew Locke. Oh, number 80. Albert Obui Kuhn. Yes, yes. And, and Drew Locke looks for him multiple Emmanuel times. Hall. Yep. No, you got I the two tell. running backs. Roundtree and Crockett. Roundtree and, and Demarie Crockett. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I listen. I I think Missouri's trending in the right direction. Have some defensive talent as well. That it's a high number though. Nine. I mean, I mean, for I that think Missouri's match? been that good towards the end of the season. You know, Oak, Oak State knocked off West Virginia. Yeah, Oklahoma team. State has some big wins as well. That's and, what I'm and actually, how many did Oklahoma State score against Oklahoma this year? They put up forty nine. They yeah. lost that matchup fifty to forty nine. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. So based off of that, yeah. how do you make them a nine point? I, I just don't see it. Missouri's a hot commodity right now. Yeah. Missouri's hot. And listen, it should have no impact on the line. But some of the things I mentioned, Missouri's been very buzzy with Kelly Bryan and Robinson. So I think think people are paying attention to Mizzou and putting more money on the Tigers. I I, I think Oklahoma keeps it close. I think this will be entertaining, high scoring, could look a lot like that Baylor-Vandy game, something like 45-30. I don't know what the under-over is. It's got to be in the 60s, though. What's interesting is you look at the two quarterbacks that you mentioned, Robinson and Kelly Bryant, they're mobile quarterbacks, dual yeah. threat type of guys, and really haven't progressed like Drew Locke has in terms of more of a pocket passer. Is that where he's going in 2019 and beyond in terms of a dual threat a la Jalen Hurts type? I mean, it's something to keep an eye out on because we know the mobility of Drew Locke is not like Kelly Bryant yeah. or Sean Robinson for that matter. Yeah, I, you know, Marshall Falk's been in here yeah. in studio with us, and we've talked a lot about, you know, if you don't have a mobile quarterback these days, college or NFL, you're you're in big trouble. And and Kelly Bryan is not, you know, Kyler Murray. No. And neither is Sean Robinson. But these are players that you could either have design runs for them, sure. or if the pocket breaks down, they can escape pressure and pick up a first down. And they're also thick players. These are not wiry type of individuals. They're thick enough to handle punishment. So, you know, listen, it's almost January 1st. I, I'm focused in on the playoff, but I'm already thinking ahead to 2019. And seeing Kelly Bryan in black and gold has me excited. I wonder if it's lo- looking ahead to Alabama, too. Something to think about, be, you know, in terms in order, of the In order recipe, to beat that defense, in, in ter- yeah. In terms of, now, he didn't step up in the playoff game, but you, if you're looking for a game plan, and that's what we'll see uh, in the Orange Bowl at 8 o'clock tonight, whether that can be done with Kyler Murray in Oklahoma. So it should be very interesting to see uh, how that game plan plays out for Lincoln Riley. Another big battle in terms of the bowl games, blue-collar teams. You have Kyle Winningham that just never loses in a bowl matchup with Utah. Does have a backup quarterback in uh, Shelley that stepped up, played in the championship game, could not lead his team to victory over Washington, struggled stretching defenses vertically, and Clayton Thorson and the crew... I like Northwestern here. Pat Fitz has coached this team up this year. They play well over the last couple of years in terms of bowl matchups, got the victory over Kentucky. They're catching seven points in this ball game. I like Northwestern here. I'm with you, Joe. I'm with you. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, I mean, if, 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 if we could somehow play the college football season in December and January, Whittingham might have like four national championships by now. I mean, he's on, he's <laughs> he unbeatable. Starts, starts like a, a ball of fire. He's unbeatable in December. You can't beat this guy. 11-1 and one in bowl I games. I mean, that is just unheard of. That's, you know, to get these kids motivated year after year, this time of year when the bodies are banged up, the heads may be someplace else. You know, holidays, NFL, whatever the case may be. Nobody does it better. And and I think he gets the victory over Northwestern. I just think these are too many points. I mean, Northwestern is such a gutty team. Yeah. Veteran quarterback in Clayton Thorson. We've talked a lot about Isaiah Bowser and what he has meant to that running game. And defensively against that banged up Utah backfield, which, you know, Patchwork did a pretty good job. But look at the Pac-12 title game. They couldn't score. I know. And I'm not saying that. Washington is Northwestern, even though they both wear purple. But Northwestern has outstanding linebackers. Blake Gallagher, Patty Fisher, Nate Hall, Joe Gaziano up front, Montre Hardage, the the cornerback. They have a solid defense. I I think they can check that Utah offense, and this could be a tight, low-scoring game that is sort of like that Pac-12 title game. One thing to keep in mind, you know, Shelley may not play today. You know, Tyler Huntley is getting close to being on. I, I wouldn't do it. Year. I know. I wouldn't did. do it, but I, I would stick with Shelly. But that collarbone is almost 100%. So I wonder, you might see Tyler Huntley in the backfield with Armand Shine. Again, Utah with running backs, 
Joe Williams a couple Zach of years ago. Zach I mean, Moss. <laughs> he did that. Zach Moss, he's done for the season, and all of a sudden Armand Shine comes right. in, and he looks like he's going to be the next 1,000-yard rusher in Salt Lake City. Now, they, last year they, they had to face West Virginia, and they had chugging off the backup for Will Greer when Greer broke his finger against Texas in that matchup, so they had that luxury of going up against an inexperienced quarterback, but now they have a veteran in Clayton Thorson. Now, Utah's only allowing 101 rushing yards per game, but I look at this defense of Northwestern. They're going to play a lot of zone and force either Shelley or Huntley to, to read coverage in this ballgame. We saw them have some sort of success against Dwayne Haskins for around three quarters. In the end, Haskins tore them up in the fourth sure. quarter, but I, I don't think we're, we're in agreement. We're not putting either Shelley or Huntley in the same category as Haskins, and that's why I think Northwestern can have su- some success because I, I think they can get some pressure on both of those quarterbacks they're in gonna, this ball game. They're going to have to, Joe, because I, I don't see the scenario where Northwestern scores a lot of points. Utah's defense is rock solid. It's just airtight. I mean, this is, this is a top-10 national defense. Seven Utes on the all-Pac-12. What, what, what happened? You said Ute? Utes. What's a Ute? All of a sudden, we <laughs> turned into a Joe Pesci uh, imitation. Uh, seven Utes. Right. <laughs> I know. I can't. Yeah, do you know who the judge was in that? <laughs> yes. That was Herman Munster. Yes, it was. That was that was uh, Herman Munster in uh, the my cousin Vinny. <laughs> yeah, I know. All of a sudden, right. what's yeah. a Ute? Uh, seven Utes, first or second team all Pac-12. That's how good this unit was. Strong at the point of attack. They stopped the run. Chase Hansen can get after the quarterback and the secondary is airtight. So, you know, Clayton Thorson this year, 15 touchdown passes, 14 interceptions. It's going to have to be Bowser in that defense uh, if Northwestern's going to get the W. And Utah, for the most part, has has stepped up against solid teams in in the Pac-12 this year. They shut down Justin Herbert. They won that batch up in Salt Lake City by eight points. So should be very intriguing. But Rich and I both like Northwestern in that matchup. So uh, we got about 30 seconds to break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other games next week, including Texas A&M. And uh, NC State. That's a, a big it's one of my game. best bets, by the is way. Is it really? It is, yeah. Really? We'll, wow. we'll, we'll tease on that. It's one of my best bets of the uh, uh, remaining I'll tease. slate. My, one of my best bets of the whole bowl season is the Rose Bowl. So keep it where it is. We're coming right back. That you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Yeah, there you go. All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, sound dope. I'm going to be like Shaq when Virginia kicks off against South Carolina about 38 minutes. It's my best bet for 12 o'clock, only two games on tap. But I'm putting all my chips in with the Virginia Cavaliers at plus 170. Rich, I think Bryce Perkins and the crew do get the victory over Will Muschump and Jake Bentley in that ballgame. You know, when I when I watch TV for like an hour or so and don't see a Shaq commercial, I start to worry about his health. I'm like, is Shaq okay? Because I haven't seen him on a commercial doing something like the Does general. Does he make that many commercials? Oh, my God. He's Does on he? like one out of every three commercials. Wow. The general insurance, some, oh, some kind general. of. He's on the general now? The general. The general. Yeah, general insurance, uh, some kind of uh, icy hot bomb. I'm giving, I'm, gi- I'm giving, uh, I'm <laughs> icy hot bomb. Some kind of bomb that he, uh, oh, okay. yeah. Well, he's gotta, you know. Hey, listen, you know he's, he, listen, he's, a, he's a great endorser. I just get yes. a little, a little tired of seeing him. Sometimes. Well, I, I think uh, South Carolina could use some liniment 
after uh, Ooh, <laughs> after they nice segue yeah, there after they yeah. after they faced the Virginia Cavaliers because I think it'll be a physical matchup. So. I'm not going to battle you on that one. I yeah. I think you might wind up being right. I mean, I'll, I'll take South Carolina, but I Virginia's a live underdog yeah. in this case, and and the money line. What'd you say? One seventy. I mean, it, yeah. it creeped up. It was one sixty, and a lot of people. I think a it's, lot of people yeah, jumped on the bad. SEC bandwagon after Auburn. I mean, I don't think anybody. If we picked Auburn and we were both on the Tigers in that matchup, we didn't think sixty three to fourteen. I mean, that, no, we thought, no, we thought I, maybe seventeen would be a lot. I said they were up fifty six to seven by like the second quarter. Well, here's the issue. You know that that sort of encapsulated why the Bulls, as as much as I love them, make me worried sometimes yeah, from a gambling perspective is is I can't play crack psychologist. I, I don't know if this team is motivated. All I remember was last year against UCF, they didn't show up and play to their potential. Now, I knew that Auburn had far superior talent on both sides of the ball. That was why you and I both liked them. But they didn't become a best bet for me because I'm thinking like, ah, it's Purdue in I know. Tennessee. Is this team going to be flat again? Jared Stidham flirted with the idea of not even playing in this game. We might have seen a backup quarterback. So it's hard. It's very tricky. And and that's what makes the playoff games even better from a gambling perspective because you don't have to worry about any kind of motivation or mindset or psychology. You know, this is, this is as good as the regular season in terms of uh, determining motivation. Well, as well, in terms of the coaching aspect, we know we knew that Gus Malzahn needed to win that game. There was a lot of pressure. If he failed at 7-6 and six overall, there'd be a lot of boosters that wanted to run him out of town. Now, next week, when we break down the national championship game, we'll have the benefit of having former Auburn and Akron head coach Terry Bowden in studio with us breaking down that big battle, but... I wonder how important Gus said maybe to Jared, you can improve your draft stock. We broke down some some th- some you know offensive game plan in terms of we can attack Purdue vertically from an offensive perspective, stay, play in this matchup. I don't know if he did or he didn't, but I wonder if these coaches are starting to do it's that a great point. to coach these kids up because if they're looking to move on and, and train to the next level, well, hell, let's get one dominating performance out of the way and now you're boosted from maybe a fourth rounder to a third or even a possible second rounder. That's a great point, Joe. I, I and I and I think we'll start to see more of that because yeah. now you know you have to be you have to be somewhat shrewd if you're a coach. I mean, how how are you going to motivate these kids? You're not paying them, right? It's not the swag. I mean, bull swag is right. great. I mean, we all love some you know some, card some and, free uh, stuff is nice. That's not enough, especially right. when you're talking about kids that are going to be you know making six seven digits in yeah. many cases uh, by April or May once they sign that first contract. But yours is an excellent point. I think now you'll start to see coaches say, especially if, you know, not not all of the kids that are sitting out are, are slam dunk first rounders. No. Far from it. Uh, now it's like, hey, this is your chance for an audition in front of a huge audience. Prime time in many cases. The only game that's on. Everyone's watching this game. Go show out. You know, go give everything that you've got. I mean, whether you're Michigan, Florida or if it's Arkansas State, Nevada, I, I love the ends in this game in the Arizona Bowl. And for some of those smaller school kids, for them, you don't have to motivate right. those kids because they know if I light it up here, that starts to build a buzz that I carry into the pre-draft process. Yeah. And the Senior Bowl, we saw some of these players that already accepted invites to play in the Senior Bowl on January 26th. So it should be interesting to see which teams become motivated. But let's get right into another big battle. It's SEC, ACC, it's Texas A&M, and Jimbo Fisher, 8-4 and four overall. to get a, a dominating 7-overtime win over LSU. It was sort of, I, I want to say, hijinks in that ballgame, but that was a quality win for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, that was an LSU team that knocked off Texas A&M six straight years. They carry a lot of momentum into this bowl game going up against Doran and this NC State team that's averaging over 280 passing yards per game with a solid quarterback in Ryan Finley. Two big quarterbacks here, Mond Finley. I don't love this game. I lean to Texas A&M, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I think there's going to be points at a premium. I think they're going to score possibly 80 points in this matchup. So I like the over in this ballgame. Yeah, both both teams rank second in their respective conferences in total offense. NC State, ACC, obviously, A&M, SEC. This is one of my 
best bets really of this cycle. Shocking. I really like yeah. A&M. You think, it's, you think it's too hard to predict? No, I mean, I, I like A&M in this matchup, but would it shock? I mean, we saw NC State step up against Arizona State in yeah. the Sun Bowl. I mean, I didn't think that he would have that team ready. He did, so it shocked me. You know, now, this year with no Jalen Samuels, they find a way to at least get some, you know, wins down the stretch. And right. when you have Ryan Finley. Yeah, very good quarterback. Possible. Very good quarterback. I, You know, he loses not he, but the program loses two players yeah. that concern me. Kelvin Harmon is one. I, I think he can overcome that because they still have good wide receivers right. like Jacoby Myers. I always think, was that a law firm? Jacoby Myers? Yes. Every time I think about Jacoby Myers from NC State, I think about those old WPIX commercials. Yes. Jacoby and They're Myers. They're still on, by the way. Are they really? Yes, they, I think on like People's Court or Judge Judy. I hope which they I have. To watch. I hope they. Uh, yeah, my wife loves Judge <laughs> Judy, but she's a big Judy fan. He's guilty. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Jacoby Myers uh, of NC State. I think they'll be fine, but uh, the defense is not littered with talent yes. at NC State. And now you take away by far. Their best defensive player in Jermaine Pratt, their linebacker. I think that's a problem against AM, Kellen Mond, Travion Williams, the big wide receivers like Jamon Osbon, uh, Jay Sternberger, yes. outstanding tight end. This is what it comes down for me, folks. I, I, yeah, I mentioned it earlier that some teams use the Bulls as a springboard into next year. I think that's Jimbo Fisher in Texas AM. Yeah. I think they're going to be. A markedly better team in 2019. They'll use this as an opportunity to showcase that. They have some some departures as well. I mean, Otaro Alaka, their linebacker's out. So, tough to figure, but very good against the run. Very good in terms of time of possession. I think A&M wins this game by double digits. It's a best bet for me. A lot, a lot of pressure on Jimbo Fisher. This is why they paid him $10 million and 75 over 10 years to to win eight games in year number one, but win this bowl game. That's something that Kevin Sumlin and that crew struggle with. They lost that matchup last year to Wake Forest. They were out coaching that ball game. So uh, just a couple of numbers why I like the over here. You look at Ryan Finley. He's thrown for 24 touchdown passes, but this is an NC State offense that has converted 50% on third down conversions. And when you look at the strength of Texas A&M, Rich, it's in run support, only allowing around 90 rushing yards per game with Mike Elko. So you, NC State will have to attack attack that secondary, giving up around 245 passing yards per game. So that's why I like the over here. And the only reason why I lean, why I don't love this game, Texas A&M negative eight in turnover margins. So that's the only reason why I'm not as strong on A&M. But we'll see how that game plays out a little bit later in the week. Yeah, I, I, it does really, it matters to both coaches. Yeah. I mean, Dave Doran will be a big deal. But again, I think for Jimbo Fisher, this is his chance to get a head start on 2019, recruiting-wise, yeah. momentum-wise, has uh, the superior talent on both sides of the ball. And again, I think NC State, defensively, without Jermaine Pratt, that is a big loss. Yeah. One name to throw out, too, is I, I love when you have, I've talked a lot over the years about Utah and what they've done with their punters. Yeah. Braden Mann, the punter of Texas A&M, he is a, just a field position flipper. So not only do you have that good run defense, but you also have the punter that I think will pin NC State yeah, back. Specials can win these ball games. I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't break down as right. much. Uh, missed extra points, missed field goals. We saw it last night with Iowa State had an opportunity to take the lead 23 to 21 and missed a field goal, hit the upright. Yep. So affected the total in terms of that ball game, 57. So point. if they would have had that, uh, could have changed the outcome for the Cyclones. So keep an eye out for that. It's a little bit later in the week. Texas A&M and NC State, another big battle. It's the Outback Bowl. We have Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, Nate Stanley, solid quarterback, and Mississippi State, Nikki Fitzrich. Now, this is one of my best bets. Uh, I picked this game at the start of the bowl season as one of my five top confident picks. It was right in the area of number four, Mississippi State and Nikki Fitz. Both teams defensively mirror each other. Uh, Mississippi State only giving up 104 rushing yards per game, but the secondary, Rich, only allowing 160 passing yards to opposing offenses, and more importantly, only allowing 12 points per game. And their two big defensive players, Simmons and Sweat, will play in this matchup. I think that's huge, along with the mobility of Nick Fitzgerald on the perimeter. I'm calling for a 14-point victory by the Bulldogs. I think they dominate from start to finish. This is one of my best picks for the bowl weekend next week. Yeah, we're in agreement. Uh, I I love the Mississippi State defense. Big fan of Nick Fitzgerald. Um, 
you know, needs to do more as a passer if he's going to continue to play on Sundays. Uh, I've compared him over the years to Taysom Hill, who has found a career with the New Orleans Saints. That's the type of quarterback he is, a big physical runner between the tackles. Iowa's got a good defense, always has a good defense. Offensively, I worry about what they could do against that Mississippi State yes. defense. I watched closely because if Jeffrey Simmons sat it out, and or Montez Sweat sat it out. would have been a big problem. I think that changes the dynamic of this game. But them playing, along with that back seven, Errol Thompson, the linebacker, doesn't get a lot of attention. Jonathan Abram, Mark McLaurin uh, in the secondary. This is one of the better defenses in the country. I don't know if Iowa can do enough to score. They don't have that... Uh, you know, they don't have that typical 1,000-yard back this year. You know, Makai Sargent, Torrin Young, they've been yes. kind of, you know, exchanging They're back. back by committee. That's what they do yeah, over the last they have few been. years. They have been. Yeah, they have been. You're right. They've LaShawn always had Daniels, two. Daniels, Kanzari, that's exactly. what they do. Yep. Uh, and Wadley, were th- when they went to the Big Ten Championship game, they utilize a lot of backs and rely on that offensive Akram line. Wadley. I, I think it could be a long day for Nathan Stanley. Uh, I, I think he'll have a tough game. Doesn't have Noah Fant, his yeah. tight end, but does his have C.J. Hawkinson. Yeah. Uh, has one of his two tight ends. So I'm with you. I think it's relatively low scoring. Defenses dominate. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald has a big day on the ground. And I think uh, Mississippi State by two touchdowns. Here's another reason why I like Mississippi State so much. You look at Joe Moorhead, offensive coordinator for Penn State over the last couple of years, understands the talent of Iowa. This isn't something new to him. And so now give him four weeks of preparation to develop a game plan yeah. around that talent that he has in Mississippi State. I think it's a huge offensive advantage. Now, Nick Fitzgerald, only 50% completion percentage for the year. He's gotten a little bit better for much of the year is around 47%. But the offensive line, to me, these are big uglies in the SEC. These are grown. We talk about grown men defense. Defense alignment. They challenged that Alabama defensive line in Tuscaloosa. I mean, they shut down to a, for the most part as a defensive yeah. unit in that ball game. Now with a one-dimensional offense in Iowa, I think it's going to be lights out. I hope the motivation is there. Well, that's uh, that's the really what thing, it comes yeah. down to. Mississippi State's defense, though, leads the country in scoring 12 points per game. I mean, this is a legitimate defense. Big Ten, here's, here's another reason why I like Mississippi State. Big Ten, last six Outback Bowls, one in five against the SEC. I think it's a trend that continues uh, next week. Yeah, the other bowl game, I'm, I, I was very high on this matchup, and now as we inch closer, I'm not as excited about it. Cincinnati and Luke Fickle taking on uh, Fuente and, and Willis in this matchup. It's about a five-and-a-half, six-point spread in this ballgame. Cincinnati, a dynamic year, 10-2 and two yeah. overall, stepped up, lost to UCF on the road. But this is still a quarterback in Ritter now that has progressed as a freshman. Willis has come on now in two games now. We've seen him come on against Marshall, Played lead well. that victory. We saw him come on in the fourth quarter against Virginia. I don't love it. But I like Virginia Tech here. I mean, again, this defense that's given up around 207 rushing yards per game under Bud Foster is a concern for me yeah. because you know Cincinnati is going to want to pound the rock in this matchup. Yeah, I, I, this is my prediction in this game. I, I, I think Virginia Tech is slightly being overlooked. It was a horrible season, and there's no way around it. This was not a typical Virginia Tech defense. They lose Josh Jackson, their quarterback, early on. But to your point, uh, Ryan Willis has done a good job. Uh, wide receivers are outstanding, they right? Are. You got Hazelton, Eric Kuma, now Trey Turner, the young wide receiver, stepped up big time in that Virginia game. He was instrumental in that comeback victory. For me, I like Virginia Tech, and it is one of my best bets getting points because Bud Foster, with a full month to work with those young defenders, again, not a great Virginia Tech defense. But those young defenders, Dax Holyfield, Reynard Ashby, those guys on the second level who need more time to mature, I think that month with Foster, for him to work with them, I think it'll be a different defense than we've seen during the season. Plus, Cincinnati does not have the offensive talent to really challenge Virginia Tech. I'd look to the money line for this game. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech wins it outright. And Cincinnati, listen, Cincinnati's defense was great, but another thing to keep in mind, I'm going to bring this up when we talk Fiesta Bowl, Look at the AAC. Look at the American during the bowl Houston. season. Houston. Oh, my God. Houston, South yeah, Florida, terrible. Temple. I mean, I these Memphis, these teams yeah. have not looked good in the postseason. So I'm beginning to wonder if the AAC, which tries to say, oh, we're we're like the the sixth power of, yeah. you know, of the five power five. We should be along with the power five conferences. Hasn't looked that way. So Cincinnati which played well in the AAC this year, may be slightly a product of their competition. They, they've played well defensively, 
but no great stars on either side of the great ball. Great point. And you look at Cincinnati's defense. They're giving up around 103 rushing yards per game in the back end. They play man-to-man coverage with uh, the defensive guru, Luke Fickle. They're only giving up 188 passing yards per game. If you want a correlation, go to that game at SMU. I mean, SMU got them into a lower-scoring game. Now, SMU is the same type of offense that Virginia Tech likes to run. SMU's defense is not Virginia Tech's in terms of team speed, and they gave that offense problems. They force Ritter on the outside of the pocket. So I don't know how this game's going to play out in terms of high scoring, low scoring. I lean to Virginia Tech. But this is a big game for Luke Fickle here. If he oh, yeah. can bring 11 wins to this program, I mean, that's coaching that talent up. I mean, they haven't had that success since Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, we, we're, good. we're about a minute going to break. I don't, I don't want to get off too much on a tangent, but Fickle is sort of emblematic of a lot of coaches yeah. who've done a good job this year and wound up staying. Yeah. You know, a lot of teams uh, held on to their coaches. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, uh, Jeff Brom at Purdue. We had a lot of programs that had those coaches succeed at, you know, a little bit off the radar type programs and they were retained. And that's the case for Luke Fickle. He gets a bowl win and plays well next year. I think we'll see him in a power five conference in 2020. We're 20 minutes away from the start of today's action. Florida and Michigan will be kicking it off in 20 minutes. When we come back, we'll be breaking down my favorite bowl, the Sun Bowl. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live from Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. These guys are the best. Little Mark Wahlberg for the uh, for the bump. I love that. Uh, about 15 minutes from the start of our first two bowl games to kind of whet our appetite before the college football playoff. But first, who wants to be the next daily fantasy legend? Try DailyRoto.com for free this holiday season. That's right. Free advice from fantasy pros. Free NBA DFS projections, free optimizer access, and free everything else you need to absolutely dominate daily fantasy basketball this holiday season and throughout 2019. So stuff your stockings with cold, hard cash and get free access to Daily Roto with the promo code DRHOLIDAYS to access your free trial. That's DailyRoto.com, promo code DRHOLIDAYS. Well. The brute. It used to be the brute sumball. It's still my favorite bowl. <laughs> brute. And, and I can I, picture you wearing brute. Actually. I used to wear brute, yeah, and I, I still that. wear brute. If I wore brute here, people would be dropping just from the scent. That's how. That's what's. I do. I, yeah, I have a bit of a sensitivity to uh, smells. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Oh, Fake smells. Start. Yeah. You'll have me. Uh, I'll, I'll be. Uh, I'll be with a microphone out in the uh, restaurant <laughs> out there to stay away from you. <laughs> I will not wear Brew in studio next week. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I like this matchup. Now, Bryce Love is not going to play in this ballgame. It's Stanford and Pitt. Pitt, I mean, you have to be excited for Pat Narduzzi making it to the ACC championship game. Got blown out by Clemson. But that's a step up uh, for a team that was 5-7 and seven last year. They're going to need to challenge Stanford's defense vertically. Kenny Pickett and that offense only averaging 145 passing yards per game. Want to run the football with Hall and Olison. I think they can do it, but I like also K.J. Costello's ability in this matchup to challenge Pitt's defense over the top. I like Pitt, but I really like the total in this matchup. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think Stanford could challenge, and I think they put up a a 30 spot in this ballgame. Do you like uh, Pitt to win? I mean, the line's uh, I only about, six, so... I like Pitt to win. I think it could be 34-30. to 30. I, I mean, let's be honest. Stanford's playing, played in this game before. They played North Carolina with Trubisky. They didn't cover that matchup. Trubisky threw a pick six to, uh, at the end of that matchup, but still covered the two-and-a-half, I think, two-and-a-half-point spread a couple of years ago. They're familiar with the landscape. 
I just think they're still a one-dimensional offense. They're only averaging 108 rushing yards on the ground. They're going to have to attack Pitt over the top. And I think Pitt can run the football. I, I really do. I think they can run the football with Hall and Olison and then work off a play action and score some points. I think 34-30, Panthers get the win. I, I, I thought you were going to say Hall and Oates at first. Hall and Oates. Are they still alive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. They're still cranking out. Away. No, get out of here. I think he did. Daryl Hall and John Oates I are both still alive. I, I know. I'm just, the producers right now downstairs are, are just, hey, can they're, they're scurrying. I think, I think no, no, they're scurrying for the next bump will be something like private eyes or something like that. We'll from be Hall wearing glasses. Uh, <laughs> listen, Pittsburgh better be able to run the ball because they have no passing game. I, know. I mean, Kenny Pickett just has not developed as a passing totally quarterback right. this year. He's mobile. Uh, but, but Allison and Hall at times were, I mean, they were unstoppable at times this Thunder season. Thunder and lightning They were times. unbelievable. They were like 200-yard machines week after week. Now, if they crank like that, and it is possible because this is the most un-Stanford-like team that I've seen since uh, pre-Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you'd have to go back before Harbaugh to see a team that has been so not physical so unable to run the ball, so average defensively. Having said that, I like Stanford. <laughs> I like Stanford because, you know, Stanford can air it out. I mean, Stanford's big targets, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the tight ends, Caden Smith, Colby Parkinson, I think that presents problems for Pittsburgh. Outside of Rashad Weaver, not a lot of scary defensive talent on Pittsburgh. It really comes down to the running game. I mean, they're going to have to control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, I think Stanford spent the month preparing for that running game. They'll be able to slow them down. I like the coaching matchup. Pat Narduzzi's been hit or miss during his career as a head coach. Great defensive coordinator yes. at Michigan State. Average head coach, even though he got to the ACC title game. Uh, I like David Shaw, and I like K.J. Costello. I think he's the star of this game. He I'll could take be Stanford. a guy on the next level as well, Costello. Uh, completely the way, agree. The way he's progressed, he utilizes yes. the tight end and, and really goes through his progressions, and without a rushing game this year, to me, has stepped up. So I, I'm with you. I, I think there's going to be points because of Whiteside and because of that offense. I'll lean to Pitt. I don't love this pick. Right, right. I'll take I don't love dog. Stanford, but yeah. I'm going more with history you, to – traditionally take the underdog in the Sun Bowl. It's high scoring. I just think the matchup is... I'm very interested to see which team can dictate tempo in that matchup. So we'll see. It's a 2.30 kick. It's on CBS. It's Better December schedule 31st. Stanford too, Joe. Yes, without better a Better schedule. Doubt. I mean, they just they just faced better opponents. Yeah, even even when you look at the law, I wrote down the losses for Stanford. Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Washington State. They got that victory over Oregon. They shouldn't have. Yes, I mean, yeah, that know, was... That they was, should have had five losses this year. Or, that was more of Oregon losing that game. Yeah, they really won. It. Well, yeah. that's a perfect segue because Oregon does take on Michigan State in this matchup. Justin Herbert has already announced that he's staying in school for his senior season. He's only completed 59% of his passes this year. I think it's a fantastic job by him because now he could possibly be the first quarterback taken. And in my opinion, when you look at his resume this year, not a solid road win or road record. No. They struggled against Shelley in Salt Lake City. He lost that matchup by eight points. Not him solely, but he had an opportunity to pull out that victory. And then he had the opportunity in Pullman and laid an egg in that matchup uh, with an undefeated Washington State team now. Going up against a number one ranked statistical rushing defense in Michigan State, only giving up 81 rushing yards per game. They have some quarterback issues, and the weakness of Michigan State is the secondary, giving up 238 through the air. I'll roll the dice. I like Michigan State here. Not sold on the physicality of Oregon. Don't love this game, but I like D'Antonio and the crew. D'Antonio. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, D'Antonio would be the reason why I would be concerned. I like Oregon in this game because uh, I mentioned it in one of the prior segments. You got... Two teams outside of the you know the top shelf programs that have been really hot. Oregon is one of them. I mean, Mario Cristobal has had a good first first season in the regular season, but then what he did recruiting wise makes you start to believe that maybe we could get back in a year or two to where Chip Kelly had this program because he's amassing such talent on the West Coast. Did such a great job with recruiting. Now he gets his star quarterback. I like the decision. We got into a heated uh, debate, not you and I, but the whole crew last week about should kids turn pro or not. When it's a quarterback, I think there's more to gain by staying in school, take out an insurance policy, mm -hmm. learn for another year, work with that staff. 
I don't think he's ready to be an NFL quarterback right now. I was surprised by the decision, though, only because it's such a weak quarterback class. I thought he was going to capitalize in 2019 and say, you know, I might be a uh, I might be graded as a top 20 pick, but in this group, I might be top 10. That could change in 2020, could have much stiffer competition quickly. My concern about Michigan, I love D'Antonio in bowl games. If it's not the college football playoff aside against Alabama, he has won his last five bowl games. So he's great in the postseason. I just think Oregon has more offensive punch. The offense of Michigan State has been AWOL. For the, for the final two months of the regular season, I think it was last eight games, I think they averaged 15 points a game. Injuries, Brian Lewerke's shoulder, yeah, just, LJ Scott is gone, Felton Davis is gone. I just don't think they can keep up with the scoring. Defense is great, but the ability to score against Oregon, I think, is going to be a problem. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, Michigan State, they're only averaging 122 rushing yards per game. That's very untypical of a Spartan type of offense that for years now has been well over 150 in the area, 165, 170, and they wear teams down at the point of attack. Now, the one MO of Oregon this year in terms of where they've progressed as a defensive unit under Cristobal is in run support. They're only giving up 145 rushing yards per game. You look at the past few years uh, for the Ducks, 175, 200. I mean, you cannot win in the Pac-12 or in college football when you're giving up so many rushing yards per game because you allow teams to maintain time of possession. If Michigan State falls behind, it's lights out in this matchup. I'm just banking on they dictate tempo, eight, nine-minute drive to open up the thing, uh, open up the game, get a field goal. Now we're in this ugly, low-scoring type of game, and that's why I just look to Michigan State. But to Herbert's point, and just to bring him up, 59% in in terms of completion percentage in that offense where you're getting the football out in two and three seconds. Should be higher. You should be. We knocked Drew Locke for that. And he was in the area now. He's at 63%. Justin Herbert has taken a step back. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in the area of about 63. And now I know he had some injuries, and I know the coaching changes. But still, in the Pac-12, with those type of defenses, you should be in the area of 65 70%, like we saw a quarterback in Gardner Minshew yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the style of offense that Oregon plays, there's not a ton of downfield passing, seam right. passing. I mean, Bubble these are screens. And- yeah, these are high percentage passes. He should be between 65. He should be about 65%. Yeah. Two thirds of his passes should be completed and wasn't. So I think it's good for him that he returns to school. I think it's good for us. I mean, I love to see these kinds of players returning when we reconvene next summer yeah. and start talking about Pac-12 and Oregon. We could talk about just Justin Herbert, which is great. He probably won't be participating in a bowl game next year unless Oregon is in the playoffs. The, he, I could see him sitting out of bowl Will game. Greer. Will, so, Will, Will be, Greer. Exactly. No, pulling Will a Will Greer. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, a couple of things. Um, one of the matchups in this game, the Red Box Bowl, which I, I is just so uh, tantalizing. The offensive line of Oregon. Again, we get used to over the years. Uh, we talk We talk with Gabe. Perception versus reality. Perception is uh, Oregon is all finesse. Not the case. I I mean, Oregon's offensive line is outstanding. Better run run blocking this year. Calvin Throckmorton, Shane uh, Lemieux. These these are guys who are going to play in the NFL. Panay Sewell, who was one of the best uh, freshman offensive linemen in the country, unhealthy at the end of the year, healthy now. That group versus the front seven of Michigan State, Kenny Willicks, uh, Joe Bocci, those guys who were instrumental in that top-ranked run defense, that is a great matchup. That's number one. Number two, when you watch this game, and I know you'll watch this game, the contrasting styles alone should get you uh, get you hooked. Think about Mario Cristobal because I- I'm-, I'm connecting some dots here, right. and I'm thinking ahead. Mark Richt starting to struggle at Miami. Mario Cristobal, his alma mater is... Miami. Miami. Offensive lineman. Uh, I wouldn't be. You, if he continues to have success at Oregon, just think ahead a couple of years, not suggesting Mark Richt's going to get fired next year, no. but thinking ahead, if you want to start to say to yourself, you know, this Richt is really pissing me off at Miami uh, with the, He's you know. pissing me off after I, he laid an egg I in know. a pinstripe ball. I know. So, you know, when you look at what he does, if he doesn't start to turn things around, yeah. watch that Miami administration in maybe 2020, 21 to start to target a young Mario Cristobal who's doing a nice job at well, Oregon. Well, keep it right there because to your point, in my opinion, when, when Mario Cristobal had guys like T.Y. Hilton and Wesley Carroll. At FIU. He built that program. Yeah. And then they went to Ron Turner. 
And Ron Turner never won anything at Illinois. Took him to a Sugar Bowl against LSU, lost that matchup with Kirk Hittner and Rocky Harvey and the crew. But uh, from that time, in terms of a resume, he was out of coaching for a while. And they gave him the job. They actually handed the job after he went 3-9 and nine overall. So, and then when you look at Miami after their season last year, regressed from 10 and 3 ACC championship game. Now you can't even beat Wisconsin without Alex Hornibrook. I mean, come on now. I mean, who did Miami beat this year? Let's be honest, from a physicality perspective, uh, they didn't beat Florida State. You had that victory. I mean, they did. Excuse me. They were up. They they came from yeah, but that that, 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 that was like a, that was like a two touchdown spread. They won by yeah, a couple of points. They barely so they, beat. Yeah, them. who yeah. did they beat? All year long, that you would say, "Wow, Miami!" You know, from last year, ten and three overall, it was a, it was an aberration. You know, we had some injuries. Now you go to New York, you come out, and Mark Rick comes out this week and says he realizes that there needed to be changes, and he cleaned house. You realize that now? You didn't realize that after you went ten and three, and you just thought everything was hunky dory. And and he lost his best assistant yeah. coach in Manny Diaz because uh, the defense Joe was championship that caliber was what, that's this what year. Propelled them. Yeah, defense was defense was you know good enough to win a title, exactly. an ACC title. The offense and and what was the big problem for Mark Richt at Georgia? Couldn't he, step up in a big game defensively. Yes. And, and now, you know, now he's starting to go sideways this year. It's only year two. Again, I'm not, this is not hot seat talk or anything no. like that. But, you know, Mark Richt's tenure at Georgia finished sluggishly. Um, got off to a great start last year, but couldn't close. Team tanked at the end of the year. And then this year they went backwards and, and are having a hard time developing a quarterback. Uh, Malik Rozier is not the answer. Uh, Nikozi Perry, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what, what what he's a young kid. We'll see if, if he's able to develop him into a real time talent. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, to your point, he could be. And but I guess the bigger question is who would take that Oregon job? Should Cristobal, let's say, in a few years, get it? I mean, that would be very. Uh, does Kingsbury? I mean, does he pop into the into the question now as the offensive coordinator well, for USC? I'm saying I'm. Looking that's an ahead. interesting. No, but that's a very interesting point because we've seen a lot of coaches. I think of Kingsbury right now. Not personalities, but similar to like Lane Kiffin, right? So Lane Kiffin needed to revive his career as an offensive coordinator, did it in a high-profile job at at Alabama. Now he's a head coach. FAU had a tough season, but for a time, we were talking about Lane Kiffin being able to— The next guy. Yeah, maybe he was the next big thing. Maybe at at a minimum, maybe he's going to Houston. You know, who knows? Right. I think Cliff Kingsbury does the exact same thing. I think he revives, resuscitates his career at USC. He's now Clay Helton's offensive coordinator. He now becomes the caretaker of JT Daniels, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, all of that offensive talent that they have at USC, whatever young quarterbacks they recruit. Give Kingsbury a couple of years as an offensive coordinator, and he'll be a head coach again before you know it. He already announced that there's going to be a wide-open co- quarterback battle. So that means JT Daniels, wake up, get your head on straight, and if I'm Kingsbury, shave the mustache. Enough already. You come in as a freshman. He thinks You're he's not Gardner Minshew. He thinks he's uh, Uncle Reno. He came in. I mean, the guy didn't even play a lick. Gatorade player of the year, and all of a sudden he's walking around like he's got, got swag. At least Minshew played at East Carolina. He had something, a resume a show. I mean, Daniels looks like he belongs in a Jacobian Myers commercial. <laughs> he does, does he? Jacobian Myers. I don't I'm know. I think in 1970. Well, the the next game we're going to get to is LSU and UCF. Yeah. But I, before we get into that, I I, th- I wanted to bring up the point of Auburn. Their win yesterday over Purdue. You think UCF is sitting back going? Uh-oh, maybe they really didn't. Yeah. Maybe they really didn't try. Uh-oh, LSU knocked off Auburn in week number three this year. Should we be concerned with Tower Mack at quarterback? I know we'll get into it um, you know, in greater detail on the back end of the break, but um, this is a riveting game. It is. Because for those of us and anybody who has tried to challenge UCF fans over the past year and grew frustrated because UCF fans, I mean, they dig in their heels. They do not let up. And if they beat LSU, you're going to have to you're going to have to hear from UCF fans for the next eight months. They're never going to shut up. I, know. I can assure you. We're going to get into that game next. So don't go anywhere. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello and Gabe Morenci coming up in next hour talking LSU and UCF. Keep it where it is. Live from Studio 34.